Welcome to Blink of an Eye, life stories of trauma, loss, awakenings, and epiphanies, beginning with one mom's journal entries recorded in real time of a catastrophic diving accident rendering her teenage son paralyzed from the neck down and the courageous fight to save his life. Told through unedited text and journal entries and inspiring guest interviews, Blink of an Eye will take you on a powerful journey of advocacy and hope and an unvarnished look at the true nature of our relationships and interconnectedness in the face of an event that changes everything. Life can change in the blink of an eye. Hello, dear ones. Today's show is all about the very early glimmers of integration, when a life-changing event gradually becomes digested, at least in small amounts, which is the path to trauma integration. Well, some things might take years or even decades to truly process and digest, or as I like to say, metabolize, but each small step taken to new normalize from a trauma is really a huge step for anyone going through a long-term or life-altering crisis. I want to pause on this because none of us can escape trauma, whether it's individual and personalized or generational or intergenerational or collective in the part of the world where we live or come from. We can't bypass our trauma by just forging on. Forging on is part of our body's intelligence to help us do what we need to do to survive at the time. But the other intelligence is in slowing down to recognize the impact that each step of moving forward means mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, including what it is that we have to return to. And that is what today's episode is all about. Did you know our podcast sponsor, the 501c3 nonprofit, I See That? The Integrative Center for Trauma Healing, Advocacy, and Transformation is now the Blink of an Eye nonprofit. And Blink of an Eye is on social media. You can find out more about the Blink of an Eye initiatives, trauma healing, engagement opportunities, and more. Blink of an Eye Nonprofit is servicing spinal cord injury families in the crisis hours and days immediately following injury, when their lives are turned upside down, potentially forever. Hear about the Blink of an Eye cutting-edge relational approaches to trauma healing, medical navigation, and emotional and spiritual support. If you are interested in volunteering or becoming part of the Blink of an Eye support teams in any way, fill out an information form at blinkofaneye.org. If you want to engage with a financial contribution, you can do that too at blinkofaneye.org. Or check out their launch campaign underway now at givebutter.com slash blinkofaneye. Follow Blink of an Eye on Instagram at blinkofaneyenonprofit and on Facebook at the URL facebook.com slash www.blinkofaneye.org. Links to those platforms will be in the show notes. The day had come in our spinal cord injury recovery journey 
when I was beginning to look outward to what life might look like for us, visualizing going home and what would be needed. Come along with me as we focus in on that tender time of budding acceptance when we needed to make the mental and logistical leap to what our house would look like and need to accommodate once we left the cocoon of the Shepherd Center, and all while clinging to the creative miracle that Archer would walk again. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 21, Changes to Our Home for SCI Recovery, Grief, and Small Steps Towards Acceptance. Have you ever found yourself in a pivotal transition in your life when the way forward seemed completely unimaginable because it was also not the way forward you wanted to go? Or might you have had several potential paths laid out before you, but none of them seemed desirable for you to pursue or live through? Well. That's what it was like for me in this episode. I was keenly aware of a new mounting pressure, time, and that it was ticking loudly, reminding me we would be going home without Archer off a ventilator, without having use of his arms, and that his walking again was a long, long way away. I still held the dream for a creative miracle in my heart, and I prayed for this miracle every day. What I was learning, though, was that I could not will time to stop or give us more hours in the day, try as I might. We had to join in the flow of that time and ride through whatever highs and lows it brought us. I hadn't had time to look back yet. It was always forward, and I stayed in motion, as a way I now realize to keep from falling into the precipice of an enormously painful reality, that Archer might not ever have use of his arms and hands, let alone walk again. What sustained me, though, was that creative miracle and that a concept I had been taught as a little girl, God's time, (laughs) which was my mother's way, I think, of telling a go-go little girl to be patient, seemed like an old friend again. And I was experiencing God's time in a new way. Has that ever happened to you before? Something that you know well or that is so familiar to you? All of a sudden... In a moment, you see it in a new way, and it's so profound, so precious, so meaningful. Yes, I was revisiting that old concept of in God's time, in a new way. I knew about divine time, that it is neither the past, nor the present, or the future that it is all of that in a moment, (laughs) in the blink of an eye. 
and how in a quantum physics sort of way, we can have glimpses of God's time. That comforted me as I was struggling to do what seemed necessary for us to do in Shepherd Center time. While I so wanted to go home, I wanted more time at Shepherd. It was inescapable that we would be taking Archer home soon, and we needed a plan. Our story today is about home and the early thoughts of what it means to co-create a home that is nurturing and safe for every person who lives there. It's about acceptance and change. There was certainly grief involved. As in many cases, transforming the spaces of our home meant uprooting memories, changing faster than we might have chosen, and all of this beginning to be put in place from a great distance while we were staying bedside to Archer. It's a wonder anyone in spinal cord injury or any major life-changing trauma can digest any of the changes as they happen so quickly. And there is not time, at the time, to say goodbye to so many things so familiar. (laughs) But we are in this together, in all its messiness. Oh, let's all breathe into the divine mystery of the divine plan for each of us. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 21, Changes to Our Home for SCI Recovery, Grief and Small Steps Towards Acceptance. Here we go. Personal Journal Note I think there is an ineffable clarity that comes through silence. I think silence carries so much intelligence. I sit here holding my rosary beads, losing count, but comforted by the memorized litany of prayers as I watch Archer sleep, struggling to breathe. There are strange little sort of hiccup-like things that happen when the ventilator tube sort of bobbles around in his trach, almost as if he has a moment of free breath. I remember when they cut the opening and inserted it into his neck and told me it would just be temporary. Well, it's been many weeks now. I asked the pulmonologist who comes around every four or five days when we can take it out. He told me today what he told me last week. The longer it is in, the less likely it is to come out. I wonder if it will come out. Of course it will. Archer will not need a trach of his breathing is our focus. And that's what came to me tonight in the silence. Focus on the breath. But it wasn't my breath. As I had my eyes closed following my breath, It was focus on Archer's breath. 
thank you. Thank you, Lord. Sort of takes my breath away. <laughs> That's an interesting metaphor. I would give my breath to him if I could. Personal journal note. I am reflecting on what the pulmonologist told me about the ventilator. He said the body becomes dependent on it after a period of time. I asked him how much time. He said each additional month on makes it very difficult to get weaned off. I have mixed feelings about that. I feel sad. And I'm angry with Atlantic Care. And I'm angry with Shepherd making all those promises. I also don't believe it. I don't believe it is Archer's path to be on a ventilator the rest of his life. I'm going to focus on his breathing very closely. Personal journal note. I think that pulmonologist doesn't have the total picture of what is possible. It would have been far more powerful to say when we were on the phone with Shepard, trying to navigate how to get here. Your son has been on a ventilator and on his back in a bed for a month. It will be a challenge to get him off a ventilator, but we will do our best and are hopeful. It would also be more powerful now to say, we have tried all we know how to do. Every few weeks more on a ventilator decreases the odds of our being successful weaning him off. But stay hopeful, as we do not know what the future holds, here or elsewhere. I could have digested that, I think, much better. I wish there were a book of tips for doctors of what to say and not say. Or maybe how to say what they want to say. Their words are so powerful. Personal journal note. I am envisioning Archer's lungs as a chapel full of light and expansive. He will breathe on his own. Please, Lord, Mary, God, guide us. Guide the pulmonologists to help Archer get stronger so he can breathe on his own. He has a life ahead of him, a big, beautiful life. Personal journal note. I'm really struggling. It's so freaking crazy that I'm begging for my son to breathe. But that is my dream for him. And all those other dreams Archer may have had are what I could guess based on things he would do or say from time to time was that he wanted to learn amazing things at amazing universities from amazing people. He wants to be an architect. I know he'll start businesses. He wants to create art. He wants to design a new inner harbor of Baltimore big things that make a big difference in people's lives. He would dream big. He had everything he needed. And now, he can't walk. 
or talk or use his arms or his hands and not even breathe without a ventilator, an oxygen tank, and an exaflator, suction kits, lung machine. And now they say it can be long-term. I mean, what does that mean? How did this happen? Personal journal note. Archer, another all-night, all-night, all-nighter. Dear God, is this Archer's path? Help me to accept it if Archer does not get off the ventilator. I knew Archer and I were in the final days or weeks of our time at the Shepherd Center as I was bargaining daily to stay. Decisions about the next step were looming and becoming more and more imminent. What was still so up in the air in my mind was whether Archer would breathe on his own and be off a ventilator when we left Shepherd, or whether he would be living with artificial breathing support when we went home or for the rest of his life. I was also preoccupied with how we would make sure he kept up with his high school studies so he could have a future. But one way or another, or perhaps in every way, I felt mountains were going to have to be moved to get us where we needed to be. But I believed mountains could be moved. I turned my attention to our home and the modifications that would be needed. Since I was in Atlanta with Archer and we lived in Baltimore, it did not take a rocket scientist to tell me that I needed a team of people. But what I really needed were good, collaborative, imaginative consultants and one person to basically be me when I wasn't there. I was clear about that. I had, believe it or not, obtained many, many years prior a contractor's license in Baltimore City, and I had renovated a house and built an addition on another and then sold them to pay for the children's educational tuitions. I felt I just needed a good team to help me envision what was possible on a practical budget, but in a way that would be aesthetically pleasing to Archer to keep his spirits uplifted. On that note, I also knew it was going to take an Archer's army to help create the environment for Archer's continued progress back home in Baltimore once we finished the renovations and left Shepherd. Renovations. If you have ever been through them in your home or office, such as renovated a room in your house like a kitchen or a bedroom or an entire floor, you know it's an ordeal and can put a strain on the entire household. And in my divorce mediation practice, I had known of such renovations to break marriages. I was resolute that was not going to happen to us even with the additional factor of having to go back and forth from Atlanta to Baltimore, and the other factor of staying very attentive to Archer 
bedside in this tenuous time. But I envisioned that end where we'd all say it was worth it. But I was naive about a few things. Above and beyond the logistics were not just the steps that needed to be taken on a mental, imaginative, and embodied level for me to envision what the highest level of healing and care could be for Archer and our family. But for me to realize that the ordeal part of the renovation was about to be an upheaval of all I had built and all Billy and I together had built for our family. I forgot how attached I was to our home as it was. And I forgot how difficult it still was at Shepherd. Ironically, the place I was begging to stay a little longer. October 13th, Family and Friends Update. The meeting with the Shepherd staff was tense. We all gathered around the table, and I took Archer with me. He hadn't been invited, but it was about his life. We wheeled in with the oxygen table, oxygen tank, ventilator tube, suction kits at the ready, and Archer, practicing to whisper as I told him, This is it, Archer. If you want to get off that machine, you're going to have to fight for more time. I will do all I can, but you are going to have to get involved now, if that's what you want. And we practiced ahead of time, my lobbing some questions at him, and he answering them so he could feel prepared. I understand their view of rehab. I do. I wanted them to understand ours. We are making progress. We just need a little more time. I expressed gratitude and laid out a possible plan that included art rehab with the mobile arm support and continued classes with the teachers we've lined up and regular spirometer testing. I wanted to express gratitude and I wanted to be conciliatory. They asked Archer nothing. I think his presence said it all. They did ask if what I laid out and requested is what he wanted. I turned to Archer. He lifted his head and shook it affirmatively and then paused and looked the head of the physical therapy in the eye and said, Yes. It was sort of a moment. They are now talking weeks rather than kicking Archer out soon. No one said anything about discharge. Personal journal note. I know I'm a pain in their side and that we should have been out of here long ago. But isn't this what any mother would do? I'm learning there is so much advocacy needed. How can anyone this injured be expected to do all this on their own without at least a partner or a coach? I am learning. 
It's almost impossible to negotiate your way through a hospital or rehab inpatient center. Or I'm wondering, in any medical environment, when you don't know the medicine or the protocols or even the language, but I am learning, often the hard way. I wish there were a how-to manual. I don't know what I would do without my mediation experience. I don't. Thank you, Lord, for preparing me. I don't want to wear Shepherd out, though, by my asking for family meetings. It's foreign to them, as they seem to have meetings amongst themselves and then tell us. But I want to have meetings with them and decide together. It is Archer's life, and it's much better for all of us. I don't want to be difficult, but don't they understand how important every day is for Archer to stay here? And that I have no choice but to be his advocate. I'm his mother. It's what every parent is put on this earth to do. I mean, if you can't take care of and stick up for your own child, who will? I understand at such a deeper level the experience of so many families I've been the mediator for in the educational and disability world, getting their child what they needed in school. I saw how those parents who championed for their kids and who knew the local and state educational regulations better than the school representatives, honestly, at meetings were looked at almost with disdain. Or was it pity? I witnessed it as a neutral, helping them all to figure out what they felt was feasible and best. Is that what I am now? I guess so. I'm okay with it. I don't care what they think of me. Isn't it what a parent is supposed to do? Advocate for your child? Lord, is that what you want me to learn? That I am to help others with advocating for their children on this hard journey? Personal journal note. The number of checks that are arriving in the mail is unbelievable. People are sending us money. Billy says friends are sending checks to our house. I'm sort of overwhelmed by this. I'm so grateful. I'm also scared because I'm not sure what all we'll need extra funds for. But I know I have not worked full-time now for almost two full months. I'm also getting emails from people that they will donate wood and nails and supplies. It's rather incredible. I feel a sense of urgency to have a plan, a good plan, so these donations do not go to waste and so I can know what to do with these donations. I feel like I'm a steward of their money. They're so generous. I would never want to say no to such generosity, but I want to use their donations wisely for Archer. I wonder how they even know what we need. I'm hearing from people I do not even know. Sitting by our phones, waiting for every update that you wrote. Um, did Did you read the updates? 
Every day. Oh, yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. Usually within the hour that you would post it. Most of the time, my mom and I would kind of come to each other and be like, hey, or text and be like, hey, there's a new one up. Uh, so, you know, it, it was, we, we were reading very close by. And, and I think like a lot of people, it was, um, you know, and, and in general in the situation, a lot of times it felt very helpless and it was just wishing that you could help anyway. personal journal note. I'm not sure where to start on renovations because I realize we need ADA compliancy and a ramp and all that most home contractors might not be aware of. Elizabeth reached out to her friend in Bethesda for me and sent me two good contacts. A man they heard of who has a house in Baltimore which is totally ADA compliant for his brain injured son in a wheelchair and a woman who designed such homes. <laughs> it sounds very expensive, but can you believe there are such people? My sister said she's not an architect, but a designer who knows practical things to consider when making your home accessible. Like what, I wonder? It's interesting. Well, I have a call into her. I have no idea what these things will cost. Now I see what the checks are for. I feel a bit naive. I was the designer for the houses I rehabbed. But I really don't know what I'm doing now. I reached out and texted our neighbor, Janet Marie Smith. She's a gifted architect. I mean, she is a gifted architect. Oh, Lord. I am glad she's my friend. I know she will know about the ADA laws and will have ideas for an old home like ours, as she is known for historic preservation of large, commercial, old buildings. God love her so much, she texted me right back. I know she's busy. I told her we might be bringing Archer home in the next number of weeks and asked if we could meet. She said as soon as possible, as we didn't have much time. October 13th, Family and Friends Update continued. The preparations for the new space creations are underway. I flew home Saturday morning for moving day. Billy arranged for Archer's coach, Andy Hillgartner, to have the McDonough Varsity Lacks team help us. As an aside, we were told his soccer coach has Archer's name and number on the roster for the season. Not his old position as a tag. But isn't that awesome? And so very, very kind. Archer loved that, if it's true. As I walked in our front door from the airport, Billy was telling me it was going to be good and to brace myself for chaos for what he had been working on at home last week. Yes, it was a wreck. Like a true moving day in progress that I had no and put into. With boxes and the rugs overturned and a lot of things staged in groups. I thought that was what I was coming home to do, to help us pack the boxes. But at 11 a.m., about 10 strong, healthy, beautiful 
strapping young men arrived. Archer's army were in full force. I just wept at the sight of all of them. Archer would be one of those boys. They've grown again over the summer. Big boys now. They now look like young men. I loved each and every one of those boys in that moment, full of promise, ready to help, and so healthy, so able. It was really lovely to see them. And I was also deeply moved by their vitality and numbers as they stood in our front hall at the ready. Thank you, boys. Thank you, Archer's Army. They worked hard all day, taking furniture from different rooms to a storage facility that another very dear and wonderful Archangel arranged for us to use. Here's a memory of that time of Ken Rice, who was the Archangel, lending us loads of space for free in a warehouse he managed where the boys stacked piles of boxes and furniture many miles away. Here's Ken. I knew and I had heard that you kind of needed, you know, some storage space because you had to clear out, you know, that room and, and your office as well. And so I work, you know, in a, for a commercial real estate company. And truth be told, we rarely kind of give away a lot of things, a lot of space. It's not always my decision. But I knew then and there that that was going to be what we were going to do. And it wasn't going to be a question about that. that I was going to go to the powers that be and just say, this is what's going to happen, not, you know, um, can we do this or can we, you know, is it discounted rent or any of that kind of stuff. So first of all, I wanted to be able to offer something concrete and make it easy and not for you not to have to think about it and just hopefully say, we're going to make that happen. It's going to be done. And then we had to figure out the actual move itself. Well, can um, I just pause it? on that? So- yes. I remember when Billy texted me and he said, Ken is giving us space in a warehouse as much as we need. And I cried because I don't like this part of me and I'm trying to loosen it up a little bit, but I love beautiful things. And so I hold on to the children's artwork and I hold on to their first little pottery and I, and I pack it so it'll never break. And I mean, it goes on and on and on. And it's like, oh my gosh, it was so generous and it was so clear and direct and so huge, a space in a warehouse that I I was so relieved and I just bawled and bawled and bawled. I can't thank you enough because it was weighing on me so heavily. What's going to happen to my stuff or where's it going to go? And I'm not there to say, we can throw this out. This needs to be kept. We need to organize this. I was in Atlanta and it was very distressing. And 
it was just like you waved pixie dust over it all by giving all that stuff a home. Then the actual move, um, which was which was really kind of funny because I was like, well, now we've got to figure out how to rent a truck and you know get a bunch of this stuff moved down to South Baltimore. And candidly, the neighborhood, the warehouse was not in the best of neighborhoods. And of course, I turned to my secret weapon, Jackson Morrill, and I said, hey, Jackson, how are we going to get this done? And he's like, I'll make it happen. <laughs> we've got my lacrosse buddies. We've got some football buddies. We've got all these guys, kid, guys who are dying to do something for Archer and for the Semp family. So, you know, I sent out a text to him and, you know, five minutes later, he's like, what time, where, well, I'll have a crew of muscly, you know, high school guys ready to go. And uh, so we lined that up for, for, I think it was probably a Saturday and, uh, you know, pulled up and, and these guys all met. And I remember feeling like I was around a couple of McDonough football players and soccer players and cross players. And I was like, I'm going to try to keep up with these guys today. <laughs> and I don't think I ever told them, but that night, man, I, that might've been a mistake because Louise, my back was absolutely killing me. I remember coming in and out of the basement of your, uh, of your office building, pulling loads and loads and loads out of there and putting it in the truck. But, and, and of course these young, young, young athletes were just doing it like it, you know, was easy. But I remember it being a hot day, but I just also remember thinking, well, of course, this is what we do. Of course, this is what we're going to do for neighbors and friends and really for the Semp family. We, we, you know, we made that happen. Um, and it was it was a, it turned so into a fun adventure. Made it happen because it wasn't just, oh, we'll help them move. It was a ton of stuff in our house on Longwood Road and you and Jackson and all those boys. And that was 25 years of mediation practice, file cabinets, furniture. That was the heavy lift. I remember that happening the heavy lift. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I never knew that it was that double header. But I also oh, want to say, I mean, if, if I can continue with the story real quickly, um, which is that I remember um, loading up this whole truck and getting ready to go down with these guys. Um, and I remember we all had coffee and everything and we're going to this neighborhood and we're, we're, we have a little caravan with three or four cars and we're going through West Baltimore to get to this warehouse. And I'm in the car with a couple of these guys and they're kind of looking around at each other like, where exactly are we going? But of course, not a peep. They were like, we're on a mission. And we got to the warehouse, we threw open, Billy was there and, and directing traffic, like where are we gonna put stuff? Threw open the gates and everybody pitched in and just carried it all off the truck. It was a lot easier coming off the truck, getting it into the warehouse and sort of setting it up. But it was, you know, like I said, it was like, it was just such a, a small amount of work for, for, for Archer. And, and those boys had such a connection to Archer. And, and we all do to the Semp family. So that, you know, it was like, yeah, I'm kind of sweating here. Yeah, this is kind of hard work, but, you know, imagine what everybody else is going through and we, we would do it all over again in a heartbeat. I was overwhelmed with everyone's kindness. 
Everyone is so kind. Thank you all for your kindness. You are so kind. And your kindness softens the blows of all of this. When Dutch and I returned later in the day from his soccer tournament, Archer's army was out in our garage dismantling the large skateboard ramp that Billy and Pete and friends had so lovingly and painstakingly assembled and constructed years ago. Guided by a complicated set of blueprints Pete had downloaded from the internet. Lots of memories in that garage with that huge skate ramp. Almost all good. And the very few that were not so good were all growth opportunities for how to deal with teenagers as Billy and I navigated that sometimes precarious path. The good memories weren't even my own personal ones, but mine only by extension as the mom. I know other moms and dads felt the same way and had shared the same good memories by extension evidenced by their asking me if they could take a look at what they referred to as the famous garage when they came over for a back-to-school cocktail party and such that we oftentimes hosted each year. The garage. It had a reputation, and it had a feel. We would traipse down to the carriage house to check it out. It always gave us this amazing feeling of warmth and a place you'd want to be to hang out despite its cold and damp and lack of furniture. As parents, we'd sit on the large ramp or dangle our legs over the ramp as we perched on the bench seat built in from the drop-in part of the skate ramp. I think we were all imagining being back in high school and the fun our kids had in this wonderful, simple, grungy garage. Well, Billy's motto had always been better than your basement. (laughs) But the kids had referred to it scandalously, as kids like to do to be funny and cool, as the garage. Well, that's what Paula's friends called it. Pete's friends later called it the Raj. I suppose for a passerby, it may have looked a bit wild, as Pete was our first artist who took to large canvases and graffitied the whole place, which surely largely influenced Archer as well. The walls were covered with spray paint art, the skate ramp was covered with spray paint art, and there wasn't much else in there but this barn-like structure painted with all kinds of pretty cool graffiti and a few good posters on metal. It had been through the chapters of high school and college, a few neighbor interventions for noise, and one visit by the police. But it still served as a gathering place for a few boys or many, even after college. The last memory I have now of it was Pete on a sunny afternoon with the barn doors thrown open with three friends sitting on stools around a spool table playing cards. Those quick flashes 
tearing me up. I'm just raw. Here I was, so grateful for the help of such strong angels. And here I was, feeling really torn that it was all being broken up and thrown away. I felt like my heart was breaking again. Isn't that crazy? Why am I so attached to these things? I asked myself. Up the hill in our house, I had that same aching feeling of parting with the wood paneling of our den and the west side of our house will be torn out to create a space for Archer. I felt selfish as I want nothing more than a wonderful space for Arch, a bedroom that he can call his own rather than just a bed put into our den, a nice renovated space out back where he can gather with a few friends and that serves as an art studio, which also gives me a place to do work while I care for him at home. I want this for him. But to do that, we say goodbye to a number of other things. As I write, though, and see the words I just wrote, Archer's Place for Gathering and Art Studio, that's really what the garage was before. Archer will create it anew. He whitewashed it before and began again. New graffiti. He'll just have to do it again. It will have a different feel. <laughs> Likely a lot neater. And probably with a certain sophisticated feel as that's the kind of guy Archer is. He's not hapless or reckless and has always liked precision. We shall see. So, my sadness is dissipating even as I write. Thank you. Thank you, God, for giving us these amazingly wonderful people who are sticking with us through this roller coaster ride. Personal journal note Billy and I are back and forth for hours every night now about what we need for the construction on the house. He wants me to oversee it. But I know him well enough that he has ideas about this I need to know. But we're not on the same page about what is needed. Billy thinks I should either downsize Baltimore Mediation and practice from a home office or give it up to take care of Archer. I can't get why in the world he would ask me to leave what makes my heart sing. I can do both. We are agreeing and disagreeing as we struggle to collaborate. We're not on the same page. And time is pressing. I need to draw up renovation plans to submit for approval. Personal journal note. I'm lying in bed here in Baltimore. Can't sleep. I don't know if it's the right plan what I agreed to that Billy wants me to do. He's a dreamer in many ways, and that's what I love about him. But I can get sucked down his paths of unreality, 
He's envisioning the garage with a deck and second floor for me to work so I can be close to Archer to care for him and so he can do his art. I'm just not sure that is how our life is going to look. I don't think he realizes the cost of these things. I can't sleep, though. I've meditated and prayed and asked for relief. It's so crazy because I now miss Archer and wonder what is going on with him right now at this moment. And I pray to Archangel Michael to protect him while I am here these two nights. And another thought I have that keeps coming back is sort of a mad thought. It's about the garage. It is a special place. I think if I set up my office above, it would never be the same. The kids need a place where they can go that is safe, but that doesn't have parents hovering over them. There are so few spaces for this. I think it's why kids love basements. And I also think it's why kids just walk in groups everywhere, aimlessly. They don't have a place to go. The garage is the better than your basement place. A lot of growing up and relational connections happened in that garage over the years. But I realize I'm mad about something I wish I had said and done something about years ago. When Pete graduated from Gilman, all the seniors, as seniors do for yearbooks, wrote in their favorite memories of high school. When the beautiful, hard-bound yearbook came out, Pete came and showed me how his writing about the Raj had been edited out and wasn't in his profile. What? I said. No way. That's so strange. Why do you say that? And he said he heard the assistant head of school had told the yearbook editing team right before publication to edit out any reference to the garage or the Raj. I can only imagine with one global find search, everything was eliminated as the Raj was apparently referenced by dozens and dozens of boys in a class of 100. But she had no idea what the Raj really meant. The Raj was tongue-in-cheek, of course, and funny, but she didn't get that or bother to inquire. What she really did, as Petey's eyes teared up, was she tore down in one sweeping unilateral erasure the fabric of boys' connections that had been built over two to three years of high school. And I'm not just talking about the popular kids, or just the athletes, or just the cool kids, or just the alternative kids, or just the eggheads, and not just the white kids, or the brown kids, or the Asian kids, or the black kids. I'm talking about all of them. Because Pete told me that it seemed like just about every single kid in his senior class had come to the Raj at some point for some party. And for some, he said, it may have been the only party they attended. 
in all of high school. He laughed and said some tiptoed in out of pure curiosity and stayed. The Raj was a safe and fun place to be. Many Saturday afternoons and many Friday or Saturday nights. Yes, they called it the garage and then the Raj in jest. And yes, it had a few howlers, but they were good kids. No one was using narcotics or pushing or threatening anyone or getting violent or harming anyone. They were just being kids together, seniors in high school, having fun, just hanging out and talking, often with music, sometimes with playing cards, sometimes dancing, sometimes drinking beer, and oftentimes watching live drop-ins on the skateboarding ramp and writing their own graffiti name and message on the big brick walls. It's harder than you think. There was plenty of people that tried dropping in unsuccessfully, <laughs> which, which was always kind of funny. We had like a, a dirt bike helmet down there and made people wear it if they were going to try because they whacked their head, but it's, it's harder than you think. We all called it uh, the Raj, just like Garage abbreviated. I guess I guess we all like spelled it Raj, R-A-J, and whoever was it editing the yearbook, had no idea what that meant, and like typed it into Google or something, and it came up with some definition for some uh, slang word that means something like wildly inappropriate, but had, you know, obviously no connection to what anybody was referring to, because like, Raj, R-A-J, typed into like Urban Dictionary or something, comes up with some definition of some random thing that's inappropriate, but had like definitely not what anybody was referring to. Everybody was just talking about the garage abbreviated. While the assistant headmaster may have erased the word or sentence with the Raj from the yearbook, What she didn't know was how many pictures in the yearbook were taken at the Raj. She could not wipe out the real memories. So as I lie here, I'm mad about that type of censorship. And I'm mad at myself for not marching into her office that summer as I wanted to. She gave no notice whatsoever to the boys. Pete told me they could have just called it something else. But he also said, Don't worry, Mom. We're graduated now. We're moving on. I'm going to try and go back to sleep. It's just sad, though, because it was like she had no idea of what she had ripped away from that class. Part of their high school history. I'm thinking about attachment, though. Gosh, It's another one of those tricky emotional experiences that either serves us well or holds us back. I think of attachment theory, one of my favorites, about how important it is for children to have good attachment that is in place by the time they are three years old. When it is, they can meet the world 
feeling more secure and confident and return to their caregiver when in need of that embrace and feel restored, safe, and connected. Isn't that what we all want for our children at any stage? Isn't that what we all want for ourselves? When our children go to preschool, to when they leave the house and venture out to their own apartment, and then for many when they move in with someone to be married, intact attachment is what allows them to be healthy in the world with other people. It's the beautiful anchoring of attachment that allows that groundedness to go out and meet the world constructively and then return for connectiveness and replenishment. We all need both. And I also ponder attachment more in the way the Buddhists would that kind of emotional pull to something that is out of balance, that cannot let go. I was feeling some of that with our house and the spaces and rooms we collectively call home, safe and secure, full of love and forgiveness. The physical act of dismantling, breaking them up, Even the thought of the splinters and debris created from the breaking apart of that larger-than-life graffiti-painted skate ramp, something that was good, caused me pain. But my believing in something bigger, though, called life and how you handle it, puts that sadness in perspective. We are all grieving the losses, both up close and personal, and vicariously from Archer's injury. So I don't want to be attached to the past anymore. I want to live in the present. I want to return to the past only for good memories and for learnings around old material I still need to work on. But I do want to return to the past from time to time. I don't want to be afraid of returning or have anyone tell me I cannot return to the past. As the past often provides a springboard into the present and future, right? I mean, the past holds the material for reflection and deeper growth. I believe that. Someday this journey at Shepherd will be part of my past. What will be our learnings? I don't know if there is anything you are attached to that might be holding you back from living fully in full expression. But I took a look at a number of things in my life. I really love a particular tree in my backyard, but it drops messy seed pods. We call helicopters in the spring, and my neighbor doesn't like it at all. The tree is partly on his property too. He has wanted me to give him permission to take it down, 
I've loved that tree, and it has provided lovely shade for us for many years. But I will let him take it down, if he chooses. I have my office building that I love. But it's an asset that we have that can help with the archer expenses. So I'll sell it. I have closets of clothes I love. But we will need space for caregivers to help us. I'll give those clothes away. It's kind of like that now. Attachment, non-attachment. The fine line of discernment between when attachment provides us with a safe harbor in life, with an anchor that we can pick up and drop down at each port, or when it is a drag on our life force. Attachment, non-attachment. I wonder what Archer might be attached to that might be causing him suffering. Please pray for us in this time. Please pray that it will be all right. And I take a big, deep belly breath. And I think of Mother Mary and I ask her for solace. And I ask God for direction and discernment. I feel the surrounding of all the angels we can't see. And I feel all of you. I really do. And I know and I say to myself, of course I will be all right. It's part of the creative miracle. Dear listeners, thank you for being with me on this tender and transformative journey. Each time we move through these blog posts and journal entries together, I feel new shifts happening in myself and in our community, even after all these years. New understandings come to light intellectually and on an embodied level. Yes, the body does keep the score, as Bessel van der Kolk writes about. Our bodies hold our stories, and sometimes those stories play out in our facial expressions, our posture, in our chronic pains, and in our illnesses. As we bring awareness to those stories and attitudes that we hold, and bring awareness to our bodies and where we feel those stories being held, we are creating more space for the full expression of self. Self with a capital S, with the energy that is our truest essence because it connects us to the divine, it comes from the divine, and it reminds us that we are expressions of the divine, made in divine image. Well, this self has an innate God-given healing power and a resilience that can restore us back in to right relationship with everything. As we close, I am reflecting on the parallels between a body and a home. 
the body that stores our stories, and the home that I share with my family, in which so many collective memories and stories reside. When our home had to be drastically rearranged to accommodate the new reality of Archer's injury, I didn't realize how unearthing it was, and not just of a physical home, but of so many memories that I felt were being whisked away in boxes into storage, boxes I did not even know the full contents of. It was so symbolic of this journey and of this podcast now as I unpack those boxes and let many go on my terms now that I am more ready and grounded again. Oh yes, we are all resilient and there is an intelligence even in shutting down that allows us to move forward. But we need to go back each of us and our families and our communities to reclaim the metabolized energy that we now have the ability to digest. We can absorb these drastic changes and metabolize them with time and look back with love and insight, even if it does take years. If you want to write me about your journey, you may at louise at blinkofaneyepodcast.com. I love hearing from you. Thank you for joining me, and thank you for the healing energy you give to this community by tuning in and giving your loving attention to this story and to our trauma healing learnings. And thank you for the healing work you do whatever you are engaged in, either for yourself, your clients, or your loved ones. Remember, whatever you're learning about yourself, give it back to others. We are in this together. We are never alone. Life can change in the blink of an eye. Life is so precious. Sending love. Hope for everything. Obtain everything. Love heals trauma. Thank you for tuning in to the Blink of an Eye story. Tune in next week for our companion Blink of an Eye Trauma Healing Learning 21, Designing an SCI Accessible Home with Kathleen Kirshner. Thank you for listening and thank you for telling your friends about the Blink of an Eye podcast. Together, we are raising the vibration for healing. You've been listening to Blink of an Eye. We ask that you share this with anyone who may need inspiration, a lift, or who may relate. Never miss an episode. Listen on our website, blinkofaneyepodcast.com or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is sponsored by Baltimore Mediation. For 28 years, Baltimore Mediation has served clients worldwide by facilitating negotiation breakthroughs, believing in their capacity for meaningful face-to-face dialogue. 
can learn more at baltimoremediation.com.